In the beginning, there was chaos, not confusion or disorder as we would define chaos now, but emptiness, a vast empty void. Chaos was the first thing to exist and for a long time it was the only thing that existed. But this chaos did not last forever. Eventually, after some very complex processes involving mud, water and sex, from chaos came Danielle, the personification of self-doubt and overcompensating with humour, and Melanie, the goddess of caring far too deeply and facial twitches. And from Melanie and Danielle came friendship, and from this friendship came Zombie Fishbowl, a podcast about random shit. Welcome to Zombie Fishbowl. I'm Danielle, and this is Melanie. I'm flabbergasted. That was awesome. (laughs) Did you like my intro, Melanie? That was gorgeous. I love it. Well, I've set the bar high now, haven't I? (laughs) Shit, that was beautiful. That was a work of art. Oh, thanks. How are you? I'm good. I'm waking up. How are you? It is the most bizarre thing that when we record, you are just starting your day and I am winding down mine. Mm-hmm. It's uh, a very strange juxtaposition. I think it adds to the um, complexity of our, um, the depth of our conversations. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like well, having it's... breakfast at the same time as your evening gin. I don't know, gin? Who has gin, gin in the evening? <laughs> I don't drink gin in the evening. Do you? <laughs> Gin's an afternoon drink. I don't know what you're talking about. Gin is definitely an afternoon drink. <laughs> What's an evening drink? Uh, scotch? Yeah, go on then. I'll give you that. Yeah, whiskey, scotch, Bailey's. Yeah. That's how I wrap up my evening. Mm. When I can. Anyway, sorry. How are you? <laughs> Sleepy, but good. I'm excited. This is This is one of my favorite topics and mythologies and i'm just pumped yeah should be a good one uh hopefully and we hope that you like them all really so every time i hear like you know like late night show hosts go we're gonna have a great show tonight and you're like shouldn't you have a great show every night so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <anyway>. <laughs> um right so first we'll do updates do you have any updates i do not no updates on my end okay Just an update for both of us then, but I'll do it officially. Updates. We launched a competition in our last episode uh, for people to leave a review uh, by the 16th of November, and you will be entered into a competition to win a super special secret prize Mm. uh, that is still going. So please make sure that you leave your reviews for you're to be in a chance of winning because you can't win if you don't take part. Yes. Yeah. Um, Come on, guys. It's super cool. You really want this thing. Yeah, you really want this prize, and we really want your validation. (laughs) Help us help you. Exactly. Mutual benefit. Yeah. Okay. Uh, We'll move on to the the binge purge, Mm -hmm. which we're going to have to rename because purge is too negative of... uh, title and binge has connotations which we don't want to keep making so you know we'll 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 bring some storm some ideas at some point to to change the name of the segment but uh like i said we're gonna start doing a um talking more positively about things so that when we do our breath we inhale nice things and then exhale all of our negative energies all of our negative poopy energies so today my a positive thought was about my cat Patrick. No. Okay, so this morning my other half gave Patrick a nice brush, and it is the funniest thing watching him get brushed. He is like in pure heaven. It's a sight to behold because he's usually so like handsome and elegant and regal and serious, but yeah. he uses he just loses control when he's being brushed and it's so fun to watch he like clicks he like twitches he like oh he's oh he, he just he, he turns into a totally different cat and then when he's done he just kind of runs away because i think you've you know you overstimulate him a little bit and he needs some yeah time. yeah, yeah you, you've just seen me at my most indecent i'm out of here <laughs> but it's so cute to watch him just get like all that joy and pleasure 
and then be like, Rhino out! And he just gets. <laughs> oh, that's sweet. I love that cat. Yes. <laughs> Cats are awesome. So I guess my positive thingy, thingy majiggy, is uh, yesterday I did my first like real energy healing session in a very, very long time. And it was just... It was it was intense. It was it was a lot, but it was also really like reaffirming. It was it was just sort of like that's right. You're good at this, and you can help people. And uh, yeah, so it was it was a really good moment. It reminded me of my strengths and my skill and my healing hands. So I'm I'm stoked on being me right now. That is a very positive message. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, when you, can, when you can help someone, we can really see the, the change that you've made in, in helping somebody move through something. And it's not so much like even just giving them something or, you know, here's cash for some lunch or, you know, monetary things, but genuinely helping somebody, giving someone a hug who hasn't had a proper hug in a while kind of, kind of thing. I mean, it really is... It's so impactful. Yeah. 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 I was a support worker for like six years or so. Yeah. So yeah, no. Um. Unfortunately, if you could pay your bills with that feeling, then I would be quite happy to continue doing it. But it was not financially lucrative, and it was also emotionally draining. Yeah. Because, like, when you do it as a profession, you don't get to just pick the good stuff. You've got to have an equal dose of bad stuff in there. At some point, the balance got tipped in the wrong direction, and I had to leave. I had to leave. But that's just the state of the world in general, really. It's not anything – I I don't think I'm special for having been, um, you know, pushed out of a job. No, it's just – it's human interaction in general. It's not always Mm. pleasant. No, people suck. Anyway, um, <laughs> I mean positive things. Positive. So I'm gonna breathe in how much I love my cat and breathe out how much I hate people. Are you ready? Yeah. All right. Okay. One, two, three. <sighs> I may have been rather dramatic there, <laughs> but I can see that now that I've breathed out. Yeah. Okay. I right, felt good. My whole back shifted, and I was like, "Oh, I'm awesome." Okay. Right. So, shall we get started? We shall. We shall. Okay. So this week's topic is Greek myths. <laughs> um, <laughs> we decided to just do Greek myths and give Roman its own episode in the future because uh, Greek myths and Roman myths are, oh well, you know, you can tell they're they're, they're the same but they're different. Um, it, and also Greek myths is very vague, so um, specific myths, heroes, gods, and so on will probably get popped on the list at some point yeah. to be randomly picked. Uh, for now, though, we found a niche within the topic for each of us to focus on. And so what did you delve into, Melanie? All right. So it's just a quick little definition. Greek mythology is a body of myths originally told by the ancient Greeks. The stories usually are about explaining or giving origin to nature of the world as they knew it. The lives and activities of deities, heroes and mythological creatures, among other things. Mostly shared through oral poetic tradition about the 18th century B.C. As far as the research I went into, because, I mean, yeah, Greek mythology is a huge topic and there's so many amazing stories to tell, but we're not really, at the heart, a storytelling podcast, although I I love that kind of shit. Mm. Those are actually mainly all of the story, all the podcasts I listen to are storytelling podcasts, because that's <laughs> what I do. So I thought this week i would go into the creation of earth and gods and humans just to sort of start us off cool yeah so danielle actually gave us a little bit of it Um, i snuck it in there yeah he did in the eighth seven eighth or seventh century bc hesiod wrote a poem called theogony 
which I'm sure I'm not pronouncing right. It's over 20 pages long. It's a beast. But it gives the best written account of the genesis of gods and, and the titans and, and man and the whole thing. So a lot of what I got was from there, because obviously before that, there wasn't a whole lot of written record. You know, it was all passed down orally. Right. Right. In the beginning, there was chaos, a great yawning void, a divine primordial vastness ripe for creation and from which everything came. Then came Gaia, Earth, quote, a broad-chested, always the unshakable seat of all the immortals who holds the peaks of snowy Olympus, end quote. Then came dark and dim Tartarus in the belly of the Earth. In Gaia, I, I don't know, I don't, I didn't write it, but... Tartarus is apparently a de deity mm -hmm. that's also in Gaia's belly. Mm -hmm. And lastly, there was Eros, quote, the most beautiful among the immortal gods, loosener of limbs, who subdues the mind and prudent counsel in the chests of all gods and all men. End quote. Now here it might get a little confusing because there's a whole lot of genealogy going on in this poem. Yeah. And it reads a lot like a much more interesting um but still a little confusing kind of Bible. And it's verse. especially confusing because um, siblings keep hooking up and Gaia keeps hooking up with her children. Oh, yeah. And so it's just like when you think you've established some kind of um, relationship between two people, suddenly mum shows up and you're like, wait, wait, who's the mother of this child? What? Both of them? Like, it's yeah. Really <laughs> and, and a lot of these gods uh, procreate asexually. Like, yes. they just... They just pop out children on their own so okay like Gaia literally had something grow in her belly but there was no man to impregnate her yeah no it's just oh yeah it is mad but it's great going. It, it's, it's super exciting but like I couldn't I couldn't read the whole genealogy that would just be like crazy town yeah yeah, yeah. so I, I did the ones that I thought were interesting um, from chaos in an in an asexual type of reproduction came Erebus, darkness, and Nyx, night. Then they made some incestive type lovins and made Aether, brightness, and Hemera, day. I have a question though: Is it really incest if you're like only one of six beings alive at the time? Yeah, no, exactly. I was gonna say it's not really. It's not like you had much of a choice to like spread the gene pool. Um. <laughs> comes in and I'm like you know come on lady come on I think that it has uh absolutely zero to do with sex and love and arousal and you know that sort of thing it's literally just let's make some babies we need to populate yeah. this planet yeah or universe I should say so from Gaia again by herself she created Oranos or Uranus as the sky the night sky with all the stars and the pretty veil of darkness and Oria, the mountains, and Pontus, the sea. She developed a relationship with her child Uranus and gave birth to 12 titans. Oce <laughs> Oceanus, Koenos, Cryos, Hyperion, Lapetus, Thea, Rhea, Themis, Nememsene, <laughs> Phoebe, Tethys, and Cronus. And then she also birthed three Cyclops, Brontus, Steropes, and Argus. And... The heck had tortures these. I don't know. Heck at on churzies. Heck it and shares. Only French with it. Heck into shares. But they are also known as the hundred handers. Briareros and Gyges. Yeah, the cool thing about the Hecaton trees or whatever, Hecaton trees, the cannot stress this enough. They are just giant monsters with a hundred arms. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're amazing. So, okay, I have a quote about okay, them. She further bore the Cyclops with exceeding forceful hearts, Brontes and Serapes and Argus, mighty of spirit, who gave to Zeus the thunder sound and fashioned the thunderbolt. They were like the gods in all respects, except for the single eye that lay in the middle of their foreheads. They are named Cyclops from this feature because one circular eye lay in the forehead of each. Strong is their brute force and designs are upon their deeds. 
Others were born from Gaia and Uranus, three great and mighty children not to be named, Cotos, Briareos, and Gyges, exceedingly arrogant children. A hundred arms shot forth from their shoulders, not to be molded into an image, and on each fifty heads grew upon the fifty shoulders on sturdy limbs, strong, immense, powerful in shape. Yeah. Do you talk at all about the war that comes up later? I do a little bit. Okay, so I won't say any more, but just the vision of them doing their thing during the Great War. Okay, so maybe I didn't do that. So we'll bring it up during the uh, the battle. Okay. okay. So this father, this mother-son couplet produced a shit ton of creatures, all of which not super keen on Uranus. No. And though well, it means he's a bit of a dick, Melanie. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> And so while it may seem like a loving thing to produce so many offspring, it most definitely was not. Because Uranus, well, yeah, Uranus took her forcefully, if I recall, a mm-hmm. little bit, a little bit against her will. And after the Titans were born, he was really not keen on his mutant children, the Cyclops and the Hundred Handers. Yeah, so but she when, loved them, she adored them. Yes, she did. So after they would were born, he would throw them into Tartarus's, into Tartarus, into Gaia's back into Gaia's belly, which made her swell and groan in agony. Eventually, Gaia was pissed and over it, and mm-hmm. she fashioned a large serrated sickle and told her Titan children, "My children, with a reckless father, if only you agree to obey me, we would avenge the evil outage of this father of yours, for he has devised unseemly deeds." Thus she spoke, and binding fear grabbed them all, and none of them spoke. Then great Kronos of crooked counsel emboldened, quickly addressed his dear mother with words, Mother, I promise that I will bring to completion this deed, since I do not care for that ill-named father of ours, for he has devised unseemly deeds. Thus he spoke, and monstrous Gaia laughed loudly in her heart. She hid him in an ambush and placed in his hands a serrated sickle and apprised him of her whole cunning. Great Uranus came, bringing the night, and spread out her on Gaia, Gaia, desiring affilities. Sexy time. And was extended. Wink, wink. (laughs) His son reached out from an ambush with his left hand, and in his right he held the sickle, long and serrated, and the genitals, genitals of his father he quickly reaped and threw them behind his back to be carried away. But they did not flee from his hand fruitlessly, as many drops of blood spurted forth, all of them Gaia received. In the revolving years she bore the powerful Aranyes, the great giants, gleaming in their armor, holding long spears in their hands, and the nymphs who they call the ash tree nymphs across the endless Gaia. As soon as Kronos lopped off the genitals with the sickle, they fell from the mainland into the much surging sea, so that the sea carried them for a long time. Around them, a white foam from the immortal skin began to rise. In it, a maiden was nurtured. That's the, they're talking about jizz. Yes. <laughs> Rotting jizz. In, in the ocean. The foam. <laughs> foam. 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 That foam is, is from the ocean and the jism mixing up. Mm. And what comes from the foam, Melanie? In it, a maiden was nurtured. First, she drew near holy Kythera, and from there she arrived at Kypros surrounded by water. From within, a majestic and beautiful goddess stepped, and all around grass grew beneath her slender feet. Aphrodite. So did you hear that, folks? Aphrodite was born of the severed penis and some foamy jism. Yeah! (laughs) Well, his foamy jism and the ocean. Yeah. Yeah. Aphrodite. Bless her. <laughs> I think that's my favorite origin story, is Aphrodite's birth. She's born from severed dick matter. I mean, that's yes. so good. <laughs> it's, it's definitely one of my favorites. Yeah. <laughs> I love how they sort of like skip around it as well by saying terms that are not quite it so you have to kind of infer in in like kind of infer it it infers that it's you know jism but he doesn't actually say it because he was hard when he was severed and tossed over the shoulder and into the sea 
<clears throat> Love it. He flung it a long way as well, and it like <laughs> dropped little bits along the way, and that's how all the, like you said, all the things along the way were like sculpted, like mountains and stuff. It's from the 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 flailing dick bits. Yeah, good old dick bits. <laughs> <laughs> but wait, there's more. Just when you think Kronos is the hero. <laughs> oh, I know, I know. Right. So before before we I would before I want to get into Kronos, I did want to mention that Nyx, who is a daughter of Chaos, mm. uh, bore some really intense children. Okay, yeah. <laughs> and again, all on her own, asexually, that whole thing. She bore Moros or Doom, Care, Destiny, Thanatos, Death, Hypnos, Sleep, but then also Blame, Pain, Daughters of Night, The Fates. Destiny's retribution, deceit, love, old age, discord. Um, and then discord produced asexually children's like ruin, anarchy, oath, starvation, murder, um, manslaughter, pain. Huh? I just interrupted you. I'm sorry. I said hot topic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was just, it was just, uh, yeah. Suffice it to say, it goes on and on with gods and titans birthing uh gods of things and concepts yeah <laughs> as well as a shit ton of gorgeous monsters mm. beautiful monsters man i love them so much this is referred to is this the this is the point that's referred to as the golden age uh the golden age yes the golden age occurs after uh oribus uh Uranus gets his dick cut off yeah so there's a lot here, so for the sake of time, let's go straight to the pantheon of deities that we all know and love and love to hate, the Olympians. So, out of Gaia and Uranus, we have the Titans. We know that Kronos castrated his father at the behest of his mother, and then he and his sister Rhea pull a total dick move. They throw their giant siblings back into Tartarus. The giants and the hundred-handers, they throw them back in. Total mm. dicks. Um, with a dragon called Kemp to guard them. And then they take control of, well, everything. Mm -hmm. Ruling as king and queen of the world. Eventually, uh, Kronos' parents, Uranus and Gaia, lay a prophecy down on him which shakes him good and proper. That one day he would be undone by one of his sons. So he did what any normal father would do in his situation. He ate his children whole as soon as they popped out. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I would do. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's not even risk it. Oh. So he sired Demeter, Hestia, Hera, Hades, and Poseidon and popped them all down like Tic Tacs. And then there was a sixth child, the youngest, Zeus. Rhea, kind of over the whole getting pregnant, give birth, feed husband ride that she was on, decided to get help from Gaia and come up with a cunning plan. And it wasn't that easy either. She really had to convince Gaia to help her because Gaia was not thrilled with Rhea at all. Yeah, right? <laughs> that is a really awkward conversation they were having. So she, you know, you know, props to Rhea. She really had to swallow some pride. Yeah. But on the other hand, it doesn't, it probably wasn't hard to be all like, you know how we cut your dick, off, your, you know, his dick off and did the whole thing to your kids? Yeah, he's not getting much better. <laughs> so she hid Zeus away on the island of Crete and fed Kronos a stone wrapped in swaddling clothes to trick him. Because it's not the flavor, it's the texture. <laughs> she raised Zeus in secret. Some say that he was raised by a goat, which would explain a lot. When Zeus was full grown, his grandmother Gaia gave him an emetic, which is like a syrup to induce vomiting. So one way or another, Kronos ended up taking this emetic. All five of his siblings were disgorged and vomited up. Then Zeus went to Tartarus and set his uncles and aunties free, the Cyclops and the Hundred Handers. And they forged for him his thunderbolts and for Hades a helmet of darkness and, and the ability to go, go invisible and Poseidon's trident. And there came to be a great war between Titans and everyone else. Over half the Titans ended up being imprisoned in Tartarus, including Kronos. So here's where, if you have something to say about this this war, the Titanomachy, yeah. uh, that would be cool. Titanomachy. Um, 
I love how we pronounce Latin. No, yeah. literally, it's just that the oh god, the the things, the um, uh, the hundred handers, the hecaton, hecaton cherries or whatever. They are like fundamental in Zeus winning um, the battles because they literally can roll along the ground picking up stones with their hundred hands in every direction and they can just compl- like almost like um machine gunning yeah. stones <laughs> and just constantly throwing stones and not stopping and just rolling around and so the whole idea of them constantly pummeling the titans on Kronos's side with yeah. stones relentlessly the, um Zeus I think says that he wouldn't have been able to win the win, win the battle without them that's awesome um okay so, this war happened, the Olympians win, the Titans are in jail, are in Tartarus. With the exception of Prometheus and Epimetheus, which is so much fun to say. Mm. Um, they were spared imprisonment because they did not fight on the side of the other Titans against the Olympians. They were given the task of creating man, because up until this point, it's all been gods. Yeah, I was going to say, there's quite a bit of time first. Yes, I imagine so. Yeah, there's like yeah. there there it's Zeus has to get bored basically. So everything is absolutely perfect and he's like um you know ruling over the land and he's got loads of ladies and everything's fun and perfect and everyone's happy but of course Zeus gets bored and that's when he decides to he wants and it's not even just that he wants to create a new creature. He like he has like he 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 brainstorms the whole thing. He comes up with the whole concept of what he wants. These little people that he can watch for his entertainment. Yeah. And that's literally all that man were ever meant to be. Were supposed to be things that he could watch, interact, and move around on his world while they worshipped him blindly, so that he can just be entertained by them because he was so bored. Yeah, yeah. He wanted. He was making reality television basically. Such a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> but it's okay because we've got um you know prometheus who's not a jerk so please continue yeah. all right so prometheus molded man out of clay and athena breathed life into them epimetheus was given the task of making them special but it turns out all the cool things that a creature can do were taken swiftness camouflage strength fur every kind of neat thing that an animal can do an animal's already got So there wasn't really anything left that would set them apart as unique. So Prometheus made man to stand upright as only the gods had done before, and he gave them fire. Zeus hated all of it, but he got an extra saucy when they got fire. This is bullshit! They don't deserve fire! Well, no, more than that, he had made Prometheus promise never to give them fire. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes, so oh, saucy bitch Prometheus. Yeah, Prometheus you. literally went against Zeus as well because Zeus wanted he he was he was a little bit like nonplussed by the result. Yeah, and he got kind of bored with them. Yeah, but uh, Prometheus loved them. Yeah, he loved, loved the shit out of them. He was just he was with them all the time. He taught them everything he knew. He taught them how to. Uh, create beautiful art he just he just he was really nice but he knew that the only way that they were going to progress is if they could learn how to create um like do metallurgy and and to move on to um, an age of metals basically in order to do that they needed fire but Zeus had told Prometheus you can never give them fire because as soon as you give them fire they'll still revolt against me yeah you don't want to give them any made the deal that they have to sacrifice a portion of every meal to him. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And if you give the man the like humanity fire and the ability to create and forge weapons, they will fight him. And he yeah. knows I think there's also a prophecy that if man had fire, they would overthrow him. Oh but there was so many prophecies. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that one of the the oracles had mentioned some such uh, thing so he mm-hmm. had yeah he literally sat like Poseidon who by the way not Poseidon um, Prometheus uh, Prometheus who by the way was Zeus's best friend yeah like they were like a, a total bromance BFFs 
they were so close. They, that's why they're, they were more than brothers. They were more than friends. They were like, they were fucking tight. Yeah, it's kind of hinted that they were very, very much in love with, you know. All I'm saucily raising my eyebrows. Not, sorry? <laughs> said I'm saucily raising my eyebrows. <laughs> but the whole thing was that, yeah, the, the Prometheus not only portrayed Zeus by giving man fire, but he actually like broke into Mount Olympus. Yes. And, and to steal it from what was his he... name? Uh, Hephaestus? Yes. Who was yeah. sn- like sleeping right next to the fire. Well, uh, the, did you hear how he did it? It was really kind of funny. He threw like golden pears or apples into the courtyard with like a note saying, uh, something like to the most beautiful creature creature of all. Yeah. And so all the nymphs and the the goddesses started fighting over who this fruit was meant for. And so all the gods just kind of went into the courtyard watching this cat fight go on. Like, yeah, go, 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 go. Yeah. So that was the diversion with which Prometheus would climb over the fence and steal some fire. Yep. Yep. It, the 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 weakness of the Greek gods is their pride. Oh boy. Yeah. Yeah bless them and uh you hear the thing about uh i'm sure you have i'm sure you you know all of them but uh how prometheus tricked him into getting the shittiest part of a sacrifice i think if you start to tell me i'll probably recall it but i can't think of it right now (laughs) okay so they had just decided right that um that they were going to make the humans give them give sacrifices to the gods so uh prometheus says Zeus side, and he goes, you have to pick one of these two piles, and whichever pile you pick represents the portion of each sacrifice. So what he did is he made a gigantic pile full of bones wrapped in thick layers of fat, and then he made a smaller pile of the richest, best meats of an animal, but he put it underneath an animal hide. Right. And so Zeus, seeing the giant pile of, you know, glistening fat he's assuming is meat he's like yeah that pile and uh you know ever since then his portion is just bones and fat it's just crappiest portion of the sacrifice and he's pissed he is so mad at prometheus for tricking him like that excuse me while i don't sympathize with mr zeus because he's a bit of a dick (laughs) he's a total dick well prometheus didn't like that he was asking sacrifices from them anyway so this was just his little like well if you want it so yeah prometheus is definitely our savior he's definitely like our guy it's it's so so strange how like became the big one what what it's so weird that Zeus became the big one when Prometheus yeah. was really fighting for the humans. Yeah, like, it's all about Prometheus, man. So on top of all this, Zeus is pissed at him for stealing fire for the go- for, for humans. He's pissed at Prometheus for tricking him into getting shitty portions of sacrifice. And the topping on all of this is the fact that there is a prophecy that one of Zeus's children will destroy him. And apparently Prometheus has this knowledge, but won't tell him. Or at least Zeus believes that he has this knowledge. So Zeus figures out the perfect way to punish his friend is to punish man as well as Prometheus. Mm -hmm. So to punish man, Zeus had Hephaestus create a mortal of stunning beauty. The gods gave the mortal many gifts of wealth, beauty, and among other things, a lying tongue and a deceitful heart. This was the first woman. A final gift given to this woman, Pandora, was a jar which Pandora was forbidden to open. Thus, Zeus sent Pandora to Epimetheus, who had decided to live amongst the men, uh, live amongst humans. Prometheus had warned his brother Epimetheus not to accept any gifts from Zeus whatsoever, but Pandora's beauty was so great, so he let her stay. He dug her. Eventually, unfortunately, Pandora's curiosity about the forbidden jar overwhelmed her. She opened it, releasing... All the evils, all the diseases, all the pain, all the gnarliness upon the earth. Only one thing was left in the jar when Pandora managed to close the lid again, and that was... Hope. Hope. So sad. It's kind of rough. So sad. When I first read that, I like, I do remember crying. (laughs) Yeah, it's heartbreaking. (laughs) 
And I'm so glad you used the term jar, Melanie. I'm so, so proud of you. <laughs> jar and not box, because box is a mistranslation um, of the yes. Greek. The I can't think of what the word was that was used in the Greek at the moment, but I know that using the word box is not an accurate translation. Jar or container, small container. Vessel vessel of some kind is more accurate jar is probably the the best way of putting it but it will have been made out of clay not um glass yeah but yeah well done i thought you'd like that (laughs) (laughs) um so that was our punishment as humans for existing yeah Um, we did fuck all wrong genuinely nothing wrong yeah yeah. he's just a dick I mean if you're listening I love you I respect you but bro not cool um, so punishment to Prometheus Zeus commanded his servants force and violence to seethe Prometheus and take him to Caucasus yeah Caucasus <laughs> mountains and chain him to a rock with unbreakable diamond chains there he was tormented day and night by an eagle tearing out his liver, which forever would regrow to be torn out anew. There are only two ways out of this eternal torture. Tell Zeus which of his children was going to kill him or which of his wives was going to bear the child to kill him, or to have an immortal volunteer take his place while a mortal kills the eagle and unchains him. Eventually he finds his freedom, but that is a tale for another time. R.E. Hercules, or Heracles, however you want to pronounce or say or write it. Yes. So, there we go. That is gods and men in the beginning. Old Testament. (laughs) Okay, so... There's so many gods. I want to, like, throw down, like, a Hercules episode. I want to throw down a Hades episode. I want to... I want to give them all good justice because these stories have been my favorite thing. Okay, well, what we'll do is we'll do a sub-list. So we'll have the main list, and then we'll have a sub-list. So on the main list, it'll just say Greek myths or Roman myths again. And then we will then shuffle the sub, the the, the mini list of what, what within Greek myth. So we'll create that little, little mini thing. So if any time we do randomly pick greek mythology again then we'll also randomly pick what within i want monsters i want an episode of greek monsters yeah exactly so and if anyone has any suggestions they can write in as well yeah all right so let's see what you got because i totally took over the first half of this thing (laughs) first half first i think we're like two thirds Sorry. It's okay. No, no, it's fine. Mine is quick, actually, and I don't want to bore people, so I hope it's not boring. Uh-huh. I'm sure it's not. Okay. Well, I've basically written an essay, <laughs> which I'm going to read out to you guys, and I hope you like it. Um, it's titled Gender for the Greeks, a case study with the twin gods Apollo and Artemis. Basically, it's about the Greek ideas of uh, gender identity. Okay. So, probably one of the most butch of the gods, and one of the most important, Apollo, was also a total theater geek. So, Apollo is a total hot mess, both the protector from evil and the bringer of terror, the god of healing, but also the sender of pestilence. He was in charge of religious law and supervised the oracles, but also of divine distance. But what really gets me is that he was simultaneously the god of terror and disease and the god of the arts. Music, songs, poetry, dance. (laughs) He was the inventor of string music and he did lots of collab work with the muses. He was like totally their chorus leader at gigs. Um, His attributes included both the bow, which stood for awe and death, And the lyre, the symbol of the arts, which stood for joyful communion with the sacred. And as well as as this, he was the protector of the young and he was concerned with the health and education of children. And he presided over their passage into adulthood. And yet he was the bringer of death, as is the case in the story of his wrath in the Iliad, 
when he fired arrows of plague at the Greeks for nine days because their king, Agamemnon, had the daughter of one of his priests held prisoner. And he is associated with mice and rats, both as their exterminator, but also as the bringer of plague. So yeah, Apollo is a very complicated fellow, and it makes you think about what the Greeks actually saw as mis masculinity, since he was simultaneously cruel and kind, angry and joyous, demanding and free-spirited. Which brings us to the Greek idea of femininity. And I believe Apollo's twin sister, Artemis, best represents the same concept of duality in feminism as Apollo does in masculinism. Artemis was the goddess of the hunt, the wilderness, the forests and hills, mountains, wild animals, and the moon. She was a huntress and a total badass. Her symbol included the bow and arrow, a quiver, hunting knives, and the deer which she hunted. She was a total survivalist and she was practical, asking her father Zeus to give her a more appropriate tunic, which stopped at her knees so she could properly hunt. And she had a fucking like ton of hunting dogs who she loved more than anything else in the world. So a hunter, something we view as a masculine activity, and for a long time was viewed as a it has been viewed as a masculine activity. Even when people interpret the deep past, hunter-gatherers are often depicted along gender lines, with the man out hunting and the woman back at tent home cooking. But Artemis, she was the goddess of the hunt. Oh, and she was beautiful as well. Yeah. Moreover, she was a virgin. She swore off men because they were gross and lived as an independent woman, never having to give herself in any way to a man. And so she was also the patron and protector of young girls and probably the first feminist. But herein lies the irony. She was a self-prescribed maiden, a virgin, a spinster, but she was also the primary goddess of childbirth and midwifery, sharing the responsibilities with others, but she was like the boss. She asked for her she asked Zeus for this as well, because she wanted to help women through the pain and ease of their childbirth because she was kind and didn't think it was fair that women had to go through all this pain when men didn't. Oh, and she had helped her mother Leto give birth to her twin brother moments after she herself had been born. So she's been <laughs> through it. She's, she's got some experience with yes. this. A little bit. Also, like her brother, she could bring disease upon women as well as heal them. So this dualism of being both nurturing and the bringer of pain continues. Oh, and because she protects her chastity, men are constantly trying to rape her. Yeah. This is yeah, this is telling because the Greeks are recognizing that she is being violated when this happens, and in every instance she is able to defend herself from the wickedness of both male gods and men, people men, human men, mostly by turning them into something rather inconvenient and cockless. Yeah. <laughs> like you anyway, do. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like a like in one instance she turns someone into a fountain, like <laughs> water, water, basically. <laughs> Anyway, she, she, Artemis, is the god that the Spartans sacrificed to before starting military campaigns. Mm -hmm. And yet, young girls were sent to serve in her temple for one year during their adolescence. She was both worshipped and feared by women during pregnancy. She would receive offerings of clothing after successful births. But the death of a fetus was also said to have been her will. She did share this job, like I said, with others, but she was the, the final say. So what I'm trying to say is that, again, we have a goddess who is really fucking important that embodies no gender-specific traits we would recognise today. We would call her probably a butch feminist today, but she was so much more complex. As with Apollo, he would likely still be regarded as masculine and butch, but that side of him who loved theatre and music would probably be spun to include TV and rock music. I guess what I'm trying to say here is that femininity and masculinity, girl, boy, man, woman, these dichotomies are culturally prescribed, that Apollo was both femme and butch, and so was Artemis, but by today's definition of gender. 
To the Greeks, there were completely different definitions of gender altogether, and they likely didn't see them as being mixed up genders like we do now, but as embodiments of their gender, but just from a different perspective. Not only do their genders intermingle by our standards today, but their role as gods is a confusing juxtaposition of conflicting concepts. How can one be both the bringer and dispeller of pain and suffering? Easy when pain and suffering is viewed as a companion to healing and health and not as the opposite. We have created dualisms in our culture that the Greeks likely didn't have. And yet we know we can be both cruel and kind, callous and sympathetic, concerned and ignorant all at the same time. So as a feminist and a worshipper of Artemis, the ultimate femme icon, please stop putting feminine and masculine labels on everything and everyone because it's meaningless and constantly changing definition. It was only a hundred years ago that boys were given pink shit as babies and girls given blue. So just remember that. End piece. Woo! <laughs> yes. Oh, Artemis is a bitch. Yes, so Artemis is pretty much my favorite goddess. So, yeah. and I like Apollo too because I like to imagine when Apollo was, um, I don't know. Apollo's a complex character because he can be really cruel and angry and mean, but then he can also just be like sitting around a fire with an acoustic guitar singing. A bunch of nymphs. You know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> just really getting down, drum circle, fire pit, liar. Yep. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> What I wanted people to take away from that is that basically like our concept of what is feminine and what is masculine is totally different now than it, it was during the Greek era, if you will. And yeah. that it's just it's just totally pointless to sort of assign masculine versus feminine. It doesn't mean anything. It's constantly changing. I've yeah. decided that I no longer believe in gender. <laughs> Good. Fuck that, man. It doesn't exactly. matter. All you have you have sex. You're either born a female or you're born a male. That's your sex. Yeah. But gender is not real. Gender is a prescribed and redefined concept in every culture. It's an illusion. It's a complete illusion. And once you get away from that, you are free. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, nobody's idea of beautiful or handsome or masculine or feminine should, should dictate who you are and how you exist. And I think the Greeks had that down as well because they kind of had these different ideas of how to depict the you know the gods were supposed to be sort of perfection personified yeah. in in what they were doing but except that they were they had human characteristics like pride and lust they were petty as fuck yeah they were very 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 petty but they, they you know they were supposed to be uh, icons that you could learn your lessons from and. Apollo, for example, he was like, what was it like? He was really disciplined and he did a lot of personal training and he made sure that he was like the best at everything that he did. Yeah. Um, but that isn't considered a masculine trait. That's how we consider it now. We think of that like sort of military training kind of thing that Apollo does as masculine. But actually Artemis was the one that helped him with all that kind of thing. You know, it's just like this whole how the roles got switched as well it's strange to me that huntress like artemis the ultimate wilderness queen yeah is also yeah. like virgin you know mother caretaker woman girl power yep yeah it's i love it because it just uh, it's a glimpse into the, a world where things are interpreted to totally different things are defined totally differently and therefore you can reflect on your own definitions of those things and think when are they going to change again because yeah. it, it's so it's it's just it's temporary well they kind of are which is really neat i mean the amount of people that i just see in thousand oaks which is a big deal okay in thousand oaks is very stuffy white uh middle class uh, yeah, middle class suburban uh, white people, and they're they're very judgmental. If you look different, then you're treated like a like a freak. But the amount of like young people that I'm seeing in just completely gender fluid, don't give a shit. I'm a boy. I'm wearing 
you know, my big boy clothes and I got long acrylic nails and fake lashes and half my head shaved and it's purple and long. And it's just like, they don't give a shit. They're being their most legitimate selves and it's beautiful. And this is not something like when we were growing up, this was not what was done, especially in Thousand Oaks. No, I think I remember being in a car park of a Denny's and I had green hair at the time and a woman shouted out of her window, she drove past, what were you thinking? Yeah. And I just was like, who asked you? (laughs) (laughs) So it's, it's really, I mean, it it is, it's now we're seeing, again, another shift on what gender means. I worry though, because it, only that, my message is that I think we should just do away with gender altogether. Yeah. So there shouldn't be any, this is masculine and this is femme, this is a girl thing and this is a boy thing, and I'm gender fluid, which means that I um, can flow between the two. I just think that getting rid of gender in gen- in general is better, so yeah. that nothing is viewed as masculine or feminine or girly or boyish or anything. It's just people are people. And yeah. it's a personality. It's what you like. It's what you like to look at. You like. It's gonna. It's not possible. I know that because people will need ways of defining people. People need labels. People need boxes in order to know how to interact with them socially. And I do understand that concept. But gender doesn't need to be part of that. Yeah. No. I mean, that was like when I've I've always been bisexual. That's always been the the little box that I've ticked in my gender. <laughs> or not my gender and my sexual preference kind of thing. And then they came out with pansexual and demisexual and asexual. And then all of a sudden there's like a dozen different orientations that one can have. And I sat there and I was like mad about it because when you don't quite know where you fit in, in this community and you pick the wrong box, people are going to make you feel like shit. So suddenly you have to try so complicating it. It's so complicated and yeah. it's just un- unnervingly so. But then again, when you find something that perfectly encapsulates, so now I'm pansexual because that that is a better definition, a better example of what I am. But is it important to me to be pansexual or bisexual? No, both of them get the, the idea across. I'm queer and I'm proud and that's, that's really that's why I just like the keyword. That's that's my favorite one. Mm-hmm. Um, just being on being on the spectrum of queer is anything just, anything but heteronormative. Yeah, um, but I think the same thing kind of goes with gender. It's just like it can be so when you're trying to figure out who you are, and instead of three boxes, suddenly you have fifty. And if you pick the wrong box, then you feel extra weird and uncomfortable, and that's you have to try and so go through a series of boxes to do it. Yeah, no, I I agree. But again, I think this is the closest we've ever been. I think there's going to be some trial and error. There's yes, certainly absolutely. Is. We're, we're humans. We fuck up everything. It's like, but the whole argument going at the moment, the sort of activism at the moment with gender um, labels is, fuck labels, let's make a hundred more labels. Let's yeah. fight labels with more labels. Yeah. It makes sense to me. You can't, you know... You can't you can't do that. I don't know. It's so frustrating. And no wonder it's off-putting to people that are on the other side of the spectrum, that are heteronormative and a little bit conservative and a little bit uh, afraid of queer culture. They yeah. are not going to delve in and try to work out what the fuck's going on. If you're making it, first of all, so fucking complicated that someone can't work out what the hell's going on. And second of all, y'all are so... Ag- aggressive about it that you can't even have a civil conversation with someone without it you know I'm really worried right now we're having this conversation that one person might listen to this that is a little bit of a social justice warrior and get really mad and we could get cancelled it's just you know yeah yeah it's it's too aggressive and all I'm saying is that I want people to just go fuck it do you know what gender doesn't exist it's just people people being people people. loving people Yeah. yeah It's just personalities, it's preferences, it's people. Because I don't know how I would define myself either. Because, like, um, I would say honestly, I'm, um, I've put myself into the bisexual box, but mm-hmm. that's not quite accurate. Because what it is is, I like men. I like men a lot. I prefer men to women, but boy, do I like to look at women. I am more aroused by women than yeah. I am by men. But 
in having an actual partner, I would definitely be going with men. So what's that called? You know, when you are, when you, like, if you think about the use of pornography and things like that, I would never, ever watch something with, with, like, guys in it. It's got to be women, ladies. They're they're what is attractive, yes. Yeah. And you don't even want to know what kind of porn I watch. It is, I get some weird (laughs) shit. I'm a, one of them weirdos. No, actually, Melanie, you shouldn't call yourself a weirdo because of the porn that you watch. Actually, everybody watches the porn that makes them the most aroused, and there's nothing weird about any of it. And fuck stigma. <laughs> I don't know, man. That's kind of pretty weird. <laughs> <laughs> You're underestimating how weird I can get. <laughs> I think that you... Um, probably do watch some freaky shit, but I think that there's probably a good healthy amount of people that watch that freaky shit alongside you enough yeah. that you probably raise an army of freaks. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I, uh, I I don't even know how that definition would like what that would make me. I don't know. And I would consider um, dating somebody who was transgender. Mm-hmm. And I would consider dating someone who was a transvestite or a drag queen or any of those things. It doesn't yeah, bother yeah. me. So, I don't know. I'm just, I think gender is a spectrum. How about that? Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> you don't need to be on one side or the other either. It's, it's not like even like one side's a feminine and one side's masculine. I don't even know. I just want to do away with masculine, feminine ideas. It's just, it's pointless. Yeah. It, does, it accomplishes nothing. Yeah. And all it does is But then also like keep them. making the frilly keep making the frilly dresses for the people that want to wear frilly dresses. And keep making the nice tight suits for the, the people that want to wear the nice tight suits. You know, but we don't have to like force anybody to ascribe to that's how you have to dress as a female. That's how I have to dress as a male. Give people you know? a fair shout as a child. Absolutely. You know, don't don't divide children's clothing sections by gender. So you have clothing that would be just all mixed up and jumbled up together. So you'd have like t-shirts with dinosaurs on it right next to t-shirts with unicorns on it. There's no definition of which one's right or wrong for which kid to grab. So you're literally, you've never gone clothes shopping for children. You need to be able to know which area you're going into. My daughter wants unicorns. Okay. She doesn't want the the dinosaur shirts. She's made it very clear. That's fine. But she, is a product of the culture in which you're living. Oh yeah, no, but she just genuinely loves unicorns. She also loves horror movies. So And yeah. I don't doubt that if the you know section of Walmart or Coles or Target or wherever you are was all mixed up, I don't doubt that she would still go for the unicorn shit. Yeah. But there's kids out there that would look at a shelf where there's camo and there's glitter and there's sequins and there's, you know, um khaki. Yeah. And would want a glitter skirt and a camouflage shirt. You know, like, they just want to have what they like. Yeah. And if we are defining those by gender terms, it's just not fair. No one has a chance from the, like, get-go. It's just not yeah. fair. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. So I'm just thinking now from, like, a marketing and merchandising standpoint, you need to have things in colors and groups and themes. <laughs> <laughs> well... My friends had a baby recently and I was getting so frustrated that I couldn't find a gender neutral baby congratulations baby card. Yeah. I went to about three card shops before I found one that didn't have any kind of inference of what gender the baby was. I know that the baby was a girl. Yeah. But I wanted a gender neutral card because that's what I believe in. I'm not gonna send them a congratulations on your baby girl eh, yeah. card. I want to congratulate them on like having a offspring you know sympathize with her pain and then but then at the same time not ascribe to culturally prescribed ideas of gender no yeah yeah i did, I did eventually find one that's why i like getting the blank cards that are completely random like get a blank card with like an image of a pickle on it yeah like, yeah your baby human you know i had those i had one in my hand in the third shop it was like it had like a chimpanzee on it like a you know some kind of ape or monkey that i was gonna be like oh welcome your little cheeky monkey into the world of whatever write them their own message but then i did find one that was a nice it was like 
So what what colour do you reckon gender neutral was? Green? Yeah, basically green and brown. And yeah, green and brown. <laughs> Cro- like, what's it called? Uh, like, a... not chrome. Um, monochrome, browns and greens. Yeah. But yeah. Tree bark. <laughs> yeah. Natural colours, basically. Well, that's what I tried to have with my daughter. I'm all like, I didn't want to have just swarming and pinks and, and you know, baby girl colors. So I'm all like, browns and greens. Give me lots of greens. Green's my favorite color anyway. Give me all the greens. Give me mm-hmm. just like animals and stuff. Um, and my son, it was all Dr. Seuss shit, which is, you know, either or, doesn't matter. So, yeah, I tried to I tried to do that for a while. But when my son discovered trucks, he discovered trucks and, you know. Thomas the Tank Engine and boy stuff. I had no say over this. <laughs> no, it's impossible. You're you're swimming upstream. Yeah. But as long as they're happy, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with what's you know like this. Like very careful not to judge people that really want to raise their child gender neutral, but yet prescribe to very culturally acceptable gender um, preferences. No. That's fine. That's happening. But what I'm saying is that we should all just turn around at one point and just go, do you know what? I realize now gender isn't a real thing. <laughs> Let's stop trying to force people to be a gender because a gender doesn't exist. It does not exist. It isn't real. It's, a, it's in the matrix. So, sorry. <laughs> I just got moved by the topic. No, it's quite all right. We'll tell people that we edited out a <laughs> really long spiel. Yeah, so if it comes come back in and it seems a little, like, oddly cut, it's because we just had a bit of a personal top, about, topic, uh, talk about gender and... Uh, uh, Raising yeah. children with conservative grandparents. Yeah, got a little, got a little hot topic-y over there. Yeah. <laughs> about as much as we can say <laughs> so I hope I really hope I really hope that you guys all enjoyed our episode on Greek myths uh there's a lot more fun to be had there this is just kind of like dipping the toe in I had some um, fun this shit so much I was gonna do hermaphrodites <sighs> hot I know right yeah so. and I wanted to do Medusa because I love Medusa oh, yeah, I just like Medusa, Medusa. Yeah, but it's okay. I mean, we're we're running overtime a little bit, so we'll save Medusa for the monsters episode whenever we do that. I have her already written up. I love her so much, and uh, I was Medusa for Halloween. Yeah, she was. So we should take a pick a random topic. So let me get the random topic picker open. Random topic picker. Random topic picker. Random topic picker. Pick a random topic. That was shit. I won't do that one again. <laughs> that was sassy. <laughs> Pick a random topic. <laughs> Ooh. Okay. Childhood superstitions and spooky games. Ooh. Okay. So those, those games that you play as a child, light as a feather, stiff as a board, Bloody Mary, etc., etc. Yeah. This the list. West, your sister Mikey. Nice. Hey, Mikey, this one's for you. Yeah. <laughs> so that wraps us up for Greek myths and Greek mythology in this episode, and there are many more to come. If there's any particular deities, stories, uh, aspects that you want us to cover and to throw onto our random topic picker sublist, let us know. Hit us up at our email, zombiefishbowlpodcast at gmail.com. You can also contact us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. At Zombie Fishbowl or Zombie Fishbowl Podcast. We're easy enough to find. Uh, also, yes, with the competition, don't forget, leave us reviews everywhere. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Podchaser, Podbean. I know some of those don't have review options, but figure it out. Give us reviews. Win the prize. Yes, yes please. <laughs> so, today's quote is one um, that is not relevant at all to Greek mythology. However, he was a Greek philosopher and also apparently a stand-up comedian. Socrates. Nice. By all means, marry. 
If you get a good wife, you'll be happy. If you get a bad one, you'll become a philosopher. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I know it has nothing to do with myth, but I couldn't believe it when I read it. It's like the first my wife. Yeah. And it's from like 2000 fucking years ago. <laughs> Take my wife, please. Take my wife. <laughs> Socrates. That's awesome. I read that and my jaw dropped. I was like, there's no way Socrates said that. But I choose to believe it because in my world, the idea of Socrates, Socrates, like being this amazing philosopher and then also being like, my wife. <laughs> waka waka. <laughs> Women, eh? You probably did two little strokes. <laughs> oh my God. That was awesome. Well, oh, yeah. well played. Well played, Socrates. Yeah. Hats <laughs> off to you. You jerk. You jerk. You ever thought that maybe it was you? <laughs> Sexist bastard. That's awesome. Anyway, that's it. So hopefully you've enjoyed yourself and you'll come back again next time. We are, we love you and we really do mean that. I do mean it. I love you so much. Yes. All right, Mel, please try just this once to not panic. (laughs) I wasn't sure if you were going to come or scream. (laughs) Neither was I. (laughs) Oh. Oh.